Well, good morning. So much has changed since last we met two weeks ago. All that has transpired in the world and in our neighborhood is a good reminder of our own individual fragility and our interconnectedness. If we had any illusions about our separateness, hopefully we have come to see that we are deeply intertwined one with the other. Sometimes it takes separateness to realize our interdependence. Community is indeed important. Today is our Sabbath, though in fact any time you leave behind the commerce of the world to sit quietly and consider the deeper matters is Sabbath time. So whenever you listen to this podcast, it is Sabbath. Rabbi Abraham Heschel reminds us that Sabbath is not a date, but an atmosphere. It is a time of harmony and peace, peace between all people, peace within us, and peace with all things. The Sabbath, he writes, is more than an armistice, more than an interlude. It is a profound conscious harmony with humanity and the world. It holds a sympathy for all things and a participation in the spirit that unites what is below and what is above. When all around us seems so unpeaceful and so uncertain, so determined to make us fearful and isolated, to claim a time of joyfulness and of peace, of reflection, is an act of insurrection. And that's always a good place to start a revolution. Bruce and I are speaking to you today from our home recording studio And we offer you, in the place of traditional hymns, our very own original hymns, some of Bruce's wonderful jazz music, and a closing duet that perhaps one day we will all sing as one when we are together again. We hope that this time together is a blessing for you, and by extension, to the universal community. stay living side by side each day struggling on struggling true doing what we have to do we may know different night though not always wrong from right but grace presides where we go and mercy like a river flows We may wander from the pathway We may wander from the truth But if we're here another day There's one more chance to find our way You broke my heart Those broken hearts let in the light and lead us through the darkest night. We live best when we live 
when we're not afraid to be. Our subject this morning is the unfailing groundedness of love, but our call to worship comes from Rebecca Solnit's book, Hope in the Dark. The future is dark, she confesses, but darkness is as much womb as it is grave. Hope is not a lottery ticket you can sit on the sofa and clutch, feeling lucky. It is an axe you break down doors with in an emergency. Hope should shove you out the door because it will take everything you have to steer the future away from endless war, from the annihilation of the earth's treasures and the grinding down of the poor and marginal. To hope is to give yourself to the future and that commitment to the future is what makes the present inhabitable. Despair demands less of us, it's more predictable, and in a sad way, safer. Authentic hope requires clarity, seeing the troubles in this world, and imagination, seeing what might lie beyond these situations that are perhaps not inevitable and immutable. What we dream of is already present in the world. Let us pray. Gracious one, mystery whom we know not and yet are drawn toward. We long to be noble. We long to reach out to the other, unafraid and unfettered by our own inadequacies and addictions our own uncertainties and inner failings. When we feel most vulnerable, send tending angels in their many forms to grant us respite. When we feel most afraid, grant us eyes to see the courageous acts of others around us and lift us up from our fears, which are always grounded in self-focus. Grant us grace and awareness of that grace that we may know ourselves blessed to be here in this world, yes, in this time, in this day, and of some purpose in this wild time we find ourselves in. Amen.
So practical theology, how we live our faith in every day. And one of the ways we do that is through our specific spiritual practices. We are continuing on with our Lenten study next week with pausing during the day. But this last week I featured the spiritual practice of the rosary, which is the saying of prayers while counting them on beads. And I've also included that on our website and in our mail out today, which has lots more details. The oldest beads are made of bone and shell, and they were found in French caves. They were thought to be 38,000 years old, but most of the early beads were made of organic materials, seeds and seed pods and beans, and so they have deteriorated over time. Beads have long been tied to spiritual practice. The ancient Tibetans scratched designs in agate, blue beads being associated with having powers to keep the evil one at bay. And the desert fathers were in the habit of keeping track of their prayers by counting pebbles in their pockets or on string tied with knots. It is not known for certain which religious groups first began associating the counting of beads with the saying of prayers, but the Hindu faith has a 3rd century BC statue of a holy man bedecked in beads, supposedly from those who were his disciples. The counting of beads while saying prayers is today one of the spiritual practices that can be found in some form or another in all faith traditions. If you have not grown up praying the rosary, and most of us in the Protestant tradition have not, it may seem daunting and mysterious, but it is, in fact, not only straightforward to follow, but when approached as a contemplative practice, a beautiful meditation on the gospel texts. In its standard form, the rosary consists of a set order of vocal prayers and thoughtful consideration on 20 mystic tableaus or mysteries as they are known in the life of Jesus and his mother Mary. The prayers are laid out in a repetitive form and follow a pattern of beads that are counted as one prays. The meditations on the mysteries also follow a set pattern consisting of four sets of five mysteries. You could call the rosary the Gospels on a string. Combining prayer, meditation, and scriptural understanding with the tactile pleasure of handling beads, the rosary offers a focus to prayer. Rosary beads are easily carried in one's pocket, an ever-present reminder to draw our attention away from this world and contemplate matters divine. When I was working on my project, this project I did on the rosary in my schoolwork, it was with me kind of night and day, and one morning I woke up with this vision that I will share with you. I was asleep, but not asleep, and thinking of a rosary for those who are without homes at the moment. As soon as I thought on this, a face came to mind. I think it was a man, but no sooner had he appeared than he bowed his head to pray. But in doing so, his hands flew to his face to cover it. There was something tender in the way he tucked his chin into his neck 
and concealed his face with his hands. I saw a child do this recently at Sunday service when she was drawn to the front but could not bear all the people looking at her beautiful face. The man remained in that odd posture, deeply penitent, deeply connected, and yet, I suspected, deeply delighted as well. I wonder if he knew something of the passing hem of the royal robe, for his hidden face was covered not in shame or fear, but somehow in secret wonder. I think this is how the rosary is to be prayed, in secret wonder and astonishment at all that is invisible to the eyes, but well known to the heart. My children were little and I was putting them to bed. They all had certain songs that they liked the best. They were mostly original little things, if I remember correctly, about each child individually. They were simple melodies and story songs that drew out memories and gave comfort to my children because they were familiar and they had a hidden sense, I think, that told them that they were beloved and they were sung over and over all through their time of childhood until it had passed. But we are all still children deep in our hearts and the familiar is comforting to us in times of uncertainty. So my choice of scripture reading this morning is one that you will know well. If you don't know it well, that will mean that you are perhaps from another faith tradition or from another inclination of the spirit that draws its wisdom from the beauty of the sunset or the lyricism of poetry, the rush of the sea or the body's ability to dance, no matter. For our scripture this morning, though it comes from the Christian tradition, like all great architectures of wisdom, reaches well past its place of birth 
to instruct and uplift us all, nestling comfortably within all creatures that desire goodness for themselves and others. The reading comes to us from an ancient letter written to the folk in the town of Corinth who were trying to figure out how to gather and live in peace with one another and, quite frankly, not doing such a great job. Ramping up a brand new religion whose leader had tossed religion out the temple door was proving to be more difficult than they had imagined. They were quarreling. So the Apostle Paul, an early designer of the Christian faith, was trying to calm things down in what turned out many years later to be known as 1 Corinthians 13. The Apostle Paul was originally from the tribe of Benjamin, which gave him bragging rights back in the day. And he also held the unique distinction of being both a Jew and a Roman citizen. He was a lawyer and a good one. He excelled at rhetoric and a good lawyer's gift for persuasion. Paul could be at times polemic, argumentative, and downright irksome. Some of his writings have caused women in particular much angst over the years. It should be remembered in his defense that he was really just trying to work something through in his lifetime with no thought that so many years later his stream of consciousness, his mental gymnastics, would be held as sacrosanct. Paul could also be tender-hearted, thoughtful, and as in our reading today, wise. He was, like all of us fragile creatures, complicated. For this beautiful meditation on love, this bedtime story of comfort, we may be eternally grateful, for there are few pieces of writing to equal its practical instruction. I will read the scripture in its entirety, though we concentrate this morning only on its core instruction. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end, and as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end, for we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child and thought like a child and reasoned like a child. And when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. 
For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. There is from my own childhood a memory of some kind of strange balloon-like creature, about four feet tall or so, shaped like a penguin, except it was bright yellow with a big smiley face on it, and it had at the bottom of it some kind of sand or weight. I'm supposing all these years later that it was kind of a child's punching bag, which seems rather odd, but you would hit it and it would pop back, immediately righting itself and standing tall. No matter how you smacked at it, still it found its ground. All these years later in adulthood, it is the memory of this odd children's toy that I cling to as my own Buddha-like figure. It is groundedness personified. And groundness is what we are much needing these days, something to hold us steady, to offer a ballast in the storm, a resting spot in the shifting sand of uncertainty. Paul offered the folk in Corinth such a creature, and that creature was love. Love is what can hold us steady. Love is what will see us through. Winston Churchill, in his shortest and most famous speech, instructed us to never, 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 never give up. And what we must never, 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 never give up on is love. Which is a wonderful hallmark idea. It is the living out of it that challenges us. And it is particularly difficult for us right now. It has challenged me this last week. And I am not alone as a spiritual leader feeling alternately sad, angry, irritated, critical, bereft, confused, and yes, alone. But Paul has fought the fight to love, too. You can always tell when a writer's wisdom is bloodied by its author's efforts, and this modest piece of prose has been hard fought. Here are Paul's instructions. Love is patient. Understanding that there is much unknown, love does not press its views on another. It waits patiently for deeper truth to be revealed. Love has no need to proclaim, to be right, to be sure, to be in control, to know the outcome. Love waits patiently with open arms for the universe to unfold as it will. Love is kind. Kindness is always the correct response. Kindness holds no regret, has no hangover of remorse, does not require backtracking or explanations. Kindness is an acknowledgement of our innate oneness with all others. Kindness leapfrogs over economic disparity, differences in cultures, religions, racial differences, and it sees the poverty within each soul Kindness gives without thought of return. Love's nature 
is ever-expanding and ever-generous. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not desire what does not belong to it, whether it is another's life or livelihood, reputation or intelligence. Love does not yearn for some time past, some time that looks golden in the rearview mirror. Love knows that what we have been given in our personhood, in our time, is sacred. There is no need for envy, for all is within our grasp. What is there to boast about, but that we are broken, stumbling people, hopefully trying as best we can to help others along the rocky way. There is no place for arrogance or rudeness in the landscape that is love. For these schoolyard bullies block out the sunshine, corner us, weaken us, and allow us to forget our own strength. Love does not insist on its own way. Love understands the great unfolding all around, the marvelous tapestry of which we and our time is only one part. Love knows its part in the adventure, but not the wholeness of it. To insist on our own way is to claim knowledge that is not in our possession. Love comes alongside, finds a way to coexist. Love is strong enough to be flexible, malleable. Its hidden framework is compassion. Love is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in the wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Are you irritable and resentful? Do you find yourself gleeful at the missteps of another? Me too. But that is not the way forward, because the search for truth, the longing for knowledge of the deep reality, is what allows us to be joyful. Don't we want to be our most noble selves, our most lovely selves, to feel at the day's end that we have not trodden on others with our gleefulness at their missteps? This is ugliness of the darkest kind, for it separates us from the whole and leaves us stranded on our own and unable to guide or help or uplift. Irritability and resentfulness demolish all happiness for ourselves and for the universe. Duke it out with them and do not let them have their way with you. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. We do. Love bears all things. We do not. Love hopes all things. We so often find ourselves feeling hopeless as if we cannot endure much more. But you know, we can. We can endure more. We can fail more. We can stumble more. If only we long to love. If only we desire to be patient and kind. If only we stretch ourselves towards the truth, reaching past what we are in the moment 
to the next moment where in between breaths we can realign ourselves with our longing to be noble and to be good, to be kind and to be generous, tender-hearted and resilient. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails.
Now it's time for our unconventional announcements and offerings. Bruce and I will continue to provide a podcast for Sunday service while our buildings are closed. Please feel free to share any of our mailouts, podcasts, music as you wish. We are using all original music so there's no copyright issues and if they are we will clear them ahead of time. In addition to our Sunday podcasts, which will be posted on our website, there will be an accompanying email correspondence each Sunday morning, so you can read the service as well as listen to it, and there will be any updates at that time as well. The main weekly mail-out will go out on Thursdays going forward, so you can count on looking for something in your mailbox Thursdays and Sunday mornings. As you will see both on our website and in this morning's correspondence, during the time our church buildings are closed, we will collect offering in a different fashion. For those who are on PAR, which is an automatic monthly withdrawal from your bank account, that continues on as usual. For those who would like now to sign up with PAR, the forms in our instructions are on this morning's mail-out, and they will also be on the website on the donate page. In addition, this Friday, April 3rd, from noon till 1 p.m., you can drop your checks off at Trinity with Anne and Jamie, who will wave at you but keep far away. Don't worry, they've got it all organized. If you need your checks picked up from your porch or your mailbox, please just ask and they can do that as well. This will likely be the pattern going forward for the foreseeable future. Our council will meet by Zoom later this week to plan our way forward. The members of the Trinity Council have decided to put their offerings for the end of March and the month of April all together with anything they might have offered extra for Easter. If this is something you are able to do, it would be helpful to the financial stability of the churches. But if this is not possible, do not feel that you must, only if it is something comfortable and easy for you. As always, please do not hesitate to reach out to myself or Gail or Anne or any members of the councils if you have needs or if you wish to speak to somebody. Bruce and I are well, but keeping as much to the house as possible. All of our children are in isolation at the moment. All of Bruce's theatre work for the summer is cancelled, and we, like everyone else, wait and watch to see how things will unfold. I remind you and encourage you to be faithful in your prayer life and to hold especially those in your heart, in our community and our church, who are needing extra tenderness. Shirley Gade continues her recovery, as does Ken Desjardins, Geraldine Sherratt, Gary Shaver, and Fran Braden. Our dear Loretta has asked for prayers concerning her health, and any attentions you might bring from a distance to Loretta or any others who can't get out are always encouraged. 
And please, too, remember to care for and pray for all those who are working in our medical professions, in our pharmacies, in our grocery stores, in our fire departments, in our police department, all the people who still have to continue on so that those of us who can can stay home. I know that we have frontline medical workers in many of our church families, and you will all know who those are. Please, please hold them in special prayer. Let us pray together. Gracious God, break open our imaginations in this uncertain time so that we might see a world decisively shaped by your fidelity. Aid us in relinquishing control in order to receive the newness to be offered that we may celebrate the universe's bounty and sing shalom. Grant us eyes to see who requires our love and attention and the courage to offer what we can in openness and grace. Grant peace and gentleness to all those struggling to manage the day to those who feel the pressures, particularly with loss of jobs, loss of stability, to those struggling to hold families together and lives together. Grant wisdom and insight to all those in places of leadership so that they may clearly and carefully find the way forward, not from their own understandings, but from the wisdom and grace that is given to them through your divine spirit. Grant us all patience with one another, with the world, with the new unfolding that is taking place. And above all, grant us love to have, to give, to share, and to hold. May we live and breathe the words we reflect in on this day, knowing that love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love will never fail us. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his followers so many years ago and which all these years later we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is on heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So, stay home, stay safe. If you're needing anything, get in touch with us. And here is our closing benediction. May love be the sound of your voice, 
the touch of your hand, the rhythm of your breath. And in this way, may you be well blessed and a blessing to all those around you. May the grace that surrounds you this day abide in your home and in your heart, making it a place of refuge and welcome for all who enter, and at this particular time, a place of restitution and health. And may the love of God, which is beyond all understanding, be with you. And may the compassion and grace that was in the heart of Jesus beat in your heart also. And may the guidance and the comfort of the sacred Holy Spirit be with us this day and all days. I don't get love I don't get life There's only struggle There's only strife
this world.